of knowing. All right, man. Welcome to Crow Triple Seven Radio. This is episode 510. Jason Lindgren is with me, and Alphonse Fagiolo returns. And actually, Rose just sent me a message, and let me look at that. Last time we had Alphonse on was episode 379.5, but you can use the episode search function uh, and just simply put Alphonse on the right-hand side where the name goes in the search, and you'll see a list of all that. We also have a legal episode playlist. And look, we've basically covered three ways of legal ideas. You should know that almost to a person, anyone we've ever had on this show that does legal ideas doesn't tend to accept the legal ideas from other people. It's just the nature of what we're doing. The way that I look at it, what we're about to cover here from Alphonse is a man or a woman is living a life like we've always led. And they're tired of being pushed around. So they engage with the system. They change nothing about status or anything else in the world. They simply wake up one morning, they engage the system, and they push back in ways that we're going to outline here. So that's basically what we're going to talk about here. This has nothing to do with status changes or when you were born or the zygote or any of that. Those are completely independent of what we're talking about. From my point of view, for the average man or woman, what we're going to talk about here for legal ideas probably fits the vast majority of people. It is my assumption that the vast majority of people are not interested in changing their status or things like that. So basically, probably what we're going to talk about is how to engage in a legal, I guess we could call it a battle, to defend your rights. And you change nothing other than you're tired of getting pushed around and now you're going to take action to use the system to push back. How's that Alphonse? Is that close enough to the mark? Yeah, that's, that's pretty good. And just to touch on that real quick, and this is why you never have to change status because your status is you're, you're one of the sovereign people of your state. And I know people run away from that term, you know, the sovereign citizen term where people say, you know, that that doesn't make sense because a sovereign's free and a citizen's a slave. And and that's complete nonsense, okay? And if you read case law and you read the laws, especially property laws, the way they're written, that's complete nonsense. And when you read what judges say about sovereignty. Uh, so you never have to change your status. Crow, you talk about like mind control, what they do with people, how they how they, uh, they they confuse them. They have everyone running away from the term sovereign, right? Sovereign citizen. Don't want to be tagged a sovereign citizen. Well, here's, here's the, actually an excerpt from the Pennsylvania Supreme Court but what a uh, what a judge wrote of uh, what sovereignty is, okay, and what the Constitution is. I'm going to read you his words now. You tell me if this is against you. If the system that everyone hates is against you, or is it maybe that the local people are just misusing this system because we've all been dumbed down? They don't teach us this stuff in school. The media doesn't teach us this stuff. They're they're, they're part of the, the the mind control game. Nobody's teaching you this stuff. So it's not that the system's bad. It's that you have. These, I consider the most dangerous, the most dangerous entity in your life, in the average person's life, is your local municipalities, your local town, your local city, your local borough, your county. They're the most dangerous people in your life. Okay, and that's what you need to address because they're the ones that are misapplying this stuff and they're doing it for profit. So, does that make sense? Yeah. Let me jump in here. By the way. From my point of view, there are absolutely reasons that people do change their status or do other things. That's not part of this conversation. But in terms of the municipalities, and we were just talking about this before we push the record button, Alphonse has an idea. There used to be a time, probably in my grandparents' life, when almost all tax revenue came from commerce. In other words, if you were doing business, you were taxable. And that money that was you know, taken from that taxation was what used to run, you know, your cities and other things, municipalities. At some point, Alphonse reckons probably in the 50s, it started to get much broader and they started taxing everything everywhere to the point where damn near everything is taxed at this point. To make the point about the municipality, it appears to me that what's happened here is when the new people come in to work at the the county, you know, seat, whatever it is, they're trained. I think that training has continually gone further off the rails. So the people that are at your local town hall or wherever are not intentionally 
trying to violate your rights for the most part. They've been trained in a way where they think they're doing what they're supposed to do. But that's part of why we're about to have this conversation. So Alphonse, why don't you quickly outline outline what we're going to talk about? You have a lawsuit that you have going forward with, I believe, the county or the county, the municipality, the county municipalities taxation system. Can you just explain that real quick? Yeah, generally, when you sue for this, listen, you could sue everybody and their mother involved in this stuff. And you don't want to do that for several reasons. It's going to cost you a fortune to serve this suit. And if you've got all these parties that are, you know, different lawyers that are thrown in this, it's going to be a mess and it's going to be hard to communicate it. So you want to really always keep any lawsuit, not just a property tax lawsuit. You always want to keep it to the to the, the most the, 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 the people that are right in front of you that are doing this. You don't want to go for everybody. So you go for the key people that are that are causing this. And in a property tax lawsuit, there's five entities you're going to sue, basically. You're going to sue your county, okay? Your county has a tax bureau. Most counties have a tax bureau. Uh, Some smaller places, I think they use like a state tax bureau, but most counties have their own tax bureau. So you're going to sue their tax bureau. You're going to sue the tax bureau manager because they're the ones that arrange these illegal sales of properties that they don't have title to, but they'll sell your property without a title. We should point out the cause. I feel like we're we're putting the cart before the horse because you know you're pointing out who you would open up legal action with. But what's the problem? The problem is is that you're being, from your point of view, wrongfully taxed. Yeah, let me just single these out, these five, and then we're going to go right where you were just talking about. Okay, we're going to double back and go from the start of, okay. of how this is happening. And you'll see, like when we start going through it, you go, oh, now that's why he's suing so and so, and that's why he's suing so and so. Okay, go ahead. So you're going to sue the tax bureau manager. You're going to sue the uh, the head assessor of the county. They have a board of assessment each county because he's the one that's putting your property on what's called an ad valorem, A-D-V-A-L-O-R-E-M tax roll. It's an ad valorem tax roll. And that's a commercial tax roll. Like you were saying, Crow, earlier, the taxes are all taxes are commercial. Okay. All taxing is commercial. But over the years, like you said, they have dumbed the people down and have them believe that these taxes that they used to collect from commercial entities that they paid for services for the people, they now have the people believing that they're supposed to be paying for that. Just to make the point, Alphonse, the same thing goes on with all the other, like, let's take the DMV. You don't, technically, none of us have to have a license to drive our car or a license plate on our car because we're not involved in commerce, most of us. But so you can see how the creep has happened, not just where Alphonse is zeroing in, but it's happened across the boards. So go ahead, Alphonse. No, correct. And then the last entity you're going to sue or person is your local tax collector. That's your that's your town, your borough, your township, wherever you live, you're going to sue the tax collector. So there are the five entities. The three individuals, which are the actual living, breathing entity, the the, uh, the tax collector, the borough, ma- I mean, the, uh, the the head assessor and the, uh, the tax bureau manager, you sue them in both their official capacity and their individual capacity. Because when you sue them in their individual capacity, now you can start to touch their home, their bank account, and their business. Because like you said, even though these people are being mistrained, even if you're mistrained, you still have a duty to know your job, to read what you're supposed to be doing. If you're a tax collector, you should be reading the tax code and actually understand the tax code. That's your job. Just because somebody trained you some way, you don't just stick with that and stay with it. You need to learn your own job also. So you have a responsibility, even though you're trained a certain way and you may have been mistrained, you still have a responsibility to know how to do your job. So that's why they also get sued in their individual capacity. Well, we should point out too, you know, you're talking about taking legal action. And I am supposing that long before any legal action or lawsuits were intended, you tried to communicate the problem with these folks in advance before all the the legal chips started to fall towards lawsuit? Did you do things before it came to this to try to work it out? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I went down all kinds of roads, you know, to to try to, and the the main road you have to go down, listen, they don't care about any documents you send them pre-lawsuit. They don't care about affidavits. They don't care about nothing in their mind. You're just one of the monkeys and you don't know what you're doing. And we're just going to do what we want to do because you're not going to know how to sue us. And you're not going to know how to stop us. That's that's their MO, their modus operandi. That's how they work. But you did these things. You sent statements of fact, affidavit, these kinds of things. That's where you started this process. Right. And, and, and honestly, Crow, all that stuff I sent, even though I communicated it, completely meaningless. 
for any lawsuit. Here's what you want to use. You want to use the actual system, believe it or not, the system that was set up for your benefit. Each state, whatever, they have a record request law. Some call it a FOIA law. Some call it a, a, a right to know law. You have a record request law. You want to use that record request law to, to start putting the dominoes in place before you knock them down. Okay. So you're going to, you're going to basically, and, and people misuse these record requests because they'll turn them into diatribes as, as far as statements on what they're going to do to these people or how to break in the law. That's not what they're for. What you want to do is you want to go through the actual tax code, read the tax code, and we're going to go through it. There's certain documents these people need to have. And it's actually in the statute. It'll tell you what an assessment actually encompasses. What, what are the three elements of an assessment? It'll tell you what they are. This is the basis. So, so what you just said is the basis of where you feel they have broken, you know, violated your, in other words, what you are claiming is an illegal taxation. That's, this is where it went off the rails in the tax code. They're not, they're not reaching the letter of the law. In other words, you looked up the code. It said these things have to be in place and this is where the problem began. Is that correct? Exactly. Yeah. And that's how you're going to use the uh, record request because you're actually going to cite, hey, pursuant to so-and-so statute, you're supposed to have an assessment with these three elements. Please provide me that a record of that assessment. And, and you're going to get some, looks like a two-page printout from Zillow or Trulia, one of the property sites. <laughs> looks like something you printed out, you know? There's no signature on it. And you're going to notice that it's missing two major key elements of what a real assessment is. Is that really what they're using, though? Are they really getting their assessment from Zillow? I don't think it's that far off, bro. I don't think it's that far off. I really, I sat down and talked to the, to the company that does these assessments. And I really think that's pretty much what it is. They, they scour these sites, you know, uh, and they go by old records they had and they look at the recent sales wow. and they just sort of really pull numbers out of the rear end. Cause that's what they're doing because they're not really doing an actual, if, dude, if you had a real assessment done, say you're selling a, a business and you and the, the, the buyer, you're, you just can't agree on a price yet. You say, Hey, listen, let's bring an independent third party assessor in here. Well, when he comes in, he's going to look at your business, Crow. He's going to say, well, gee, the properties in this area are selling for about X amount of dollars. So the, so the actual, so the, 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 the sale value of the property is about this. Then he's going to look at your equipment. He's going to go, well, let's see, you got this equipment. You had this piece of equipment for 10 years, this for five years. Here's the depreciation on this equipment. Here's the replacement cost if there's some fire or disaster happens to replace the equipment. Then he's going to look at the income you bring on the property and go, well, Chief Crow made $2 million last year on this business. So he, he looked at your tax returns for like maybe the last couple of years to find out what this business brings in. And from those three elements, he will come to what's called an actual value of what your property is. So then you have a third party assessor giving you an actual value based on the facts of those three elements. Is that what the town hall should be doing? So are you saying that the town hall should be getting a third party assessor? Well, they do get a third party assessor, but the third okay. party assessor like basically does what I just told you. Uh, to me, they got old data they're using. Well, and they're jumping on like Trulia or, or whatever. Uh, Zillow. Yeah. Zillow, you know, <laughs> and, and sort of getting, you know, what's going on with the property. Uh, and they're looking at comp sales. So then they're just saying, well, sales, they grow in sales in your area. They're selling for $450,000. Okay. That's the average comp in your area. Uh, and they're looking, well, Crow's got an addition and he's got this, he's got a pool. So Crow's maybe going to be 480. His property is going to be 480. We're going to assess that. So they're just going to throw that value at you and say, Crow, here's the Avalorum value of your house, the Avalorum tax value of your house, $480,000. Now let's go back to ground zero and how we got here. Play devil's advocate for me, guys. I need you to play devil's advocate. Crow, does the state legislature own your property? No, I mean, technically, you're supposed to own your property. And you do, okay? Can the state legislature just grant themselves rights, interest in your property? No, they're not supposed to be able to do that. Can't do that either, okay? That, and that's supported by 250, 250 years of case law. They can't do that. Now, the third one, and people hesitate on this, and it makes me cringe because this is the conditioning. Can the state legislature just decide to tax your property, bro? Well, this is the crux of the conversation that we're having here, and from my point of view, no. If you're not involved in commerce, um, they've abrogated from the initial, the way things were originally set up and how they were supposed to be. So from my point of view, no. Now, private dwellings, all these things not involved in commerce, no, they shouldn't be. You're 100% right, okay? And guess what? 
Nobody from the state legislature that wrote the state tax code laws is ever going to say that Crow's a taxpayer and Crow's property is taxable. Like in this lawsuit I have, if we actually get down to depositions and we get down to actual trial where I get to, to cross-examine these people and put them on the stand, guess what? Nobody from the state is coming in to testify that I'm a taxpayer and that my property is taxable. It's not going to happen. The only entities making this claim are your county, okay? And the four main county employees are the ones we ran over. It's their, well, they, they have an agency. Their tax bureau is involved in this. So you got the county, the tax bureau involved in this. You got the tax bureau manager involved in this because she's the one sending the threatening letters out to you saying, hey, Crow, if you don't pay this money by X date, we're going to auction your property off in a sheriff's sale, you know, and your local tax collector, your local borough and town tax collector, they serve a dual function, okay? They are actually collecting taxes, property taxes for the county, and they're also collecting taxes for the local township. I mean, a local borough, the town, city, whatever you're in, whatever you're in. So they're, they're serving a dual purpose. They're, they're collecting local taxes and they're collecting county taxes, okay? So you're right on those three things. Uh, the legislature is making no claim that, that you're a taxable entity. So, Crow, th th does it not reason there must be a way for them to touch your property with taxation, correct? Well, obviously, they're doing it. So there must be a method here. So it's got to be everything. And this is why I, I, I route a lot of these patriot mythology people. Listen, if it's not written down in black and white letter law, if I can't read it and understand it and know who it's targeted against, then it, it doesn't exist. It's not real. You can't use it. And I'm going to give you the most. Pennsylvania is actually an oddity. Steve said, even Steve Emerson said that. Pennsylvania just puts it right out there. You know, some states, they sort of play around with the definitions and hide it, you know, and, and write things in ways that unless you're used to reading these statutes, you're not going to understand what this stuff is. And I'm going to read you, Crow, we just talked about this process. I'm going to read you what the definition of a taxpayer is in Pennsylvania. And you too, Jason, you tell me if either of you two gentlemen meet this definition. I'm going to read it right from the code and you're going to love how it's written. It's, it's the it's fiscal code 61, Pennsylvania, and the two sections are 153.1A and 155.1A. And, get, and guess what they're titled? Taxpayers. And then the whole heading is, is titled, get this now, subjectability to tax reporting. Now let's read what a taxpayer is, Crow, what a taxpayer is, Jason. And I'll bet you've never had this explained to you. Because people were not were not taught this stuff, and I just was lucky enough to get to get to know Steve Emerson, became a friend of mine, and he pointed me in the right direction and showed me how to do this. So here's what a taxpayer is. You tell me if you guys meet any of this. The following entities, organized and incorporated under the statutes of the Commonwealth, uh, the United States or another state, territory, foreign country, or dependency. Now listen. And doing business in the Commonwealth or carrying on activities in this Commonwealth. Activities are business activities they're talking about. Or owning property in this Commonwealth or having capital or property employed or used in this Commonwealth by or in the name of itself or a person. Person is a corporation, a corporate entity. A person, a partnership, association, a limited partnership, a joint stock association or a corporation are taxpayers for the purpose of this article. Crow, do you meet any of those definitions? I mean, on the face of it, no, but I could easily twist this around to show how the overarching system tries to treat the name as a person, but that's neither here nor there. On the face of the definition you read, it doesn't fit. I'm not a corporation and I'm not involved in commerce in my home. I've probably read about 5,000 cases and not once have I ever seen the other side come in and argue that your all caps name is a corporate entity or some kind of legal entity that gives them some kind of authority over you. I've never seen it before. I've never heard it argued in court before. And nobody's ever going to come in and argue that against you because my God, I, I would, I would take everything they have if somebody came into court and argued like that. They, I, I dust them. I would point out though, you're, you're right. It, it's never trotted out in public, but I would point out that we refer to each other as people or persons. But just out of curiosity on the documents, is it in all capitals or is there anything a little wonky? Oh, I, I've had, I got court documents in upper, upper and lower case. It, it doesn't matter. I mean, I've, I've got them in both. Just curious because people might want to know. No, I mean, like, in my documents, I put the five defendants. Anytime I use their name throughout there, I put them in all caps. And that's just done for one reason. 
that points them out basically to show that like that, that'll show them it's easy for them to find where I'm talking about them. So that, that's a style thing. That has nothing to do with a legal uh, obligation or, or a legal status. All right. Let, let's set that aside and keep going down the road you're on, because I want to ask you a question about the assessor when you get done where you're going, because I had an experience with an assessor here. So finish where you're going here, because I want to ask you about the assessment. Sure. Now, here's the here's the funny part, you know, from doing this stuff. Every time I've been involved in whether it's messing with the local guys or whatever, I'm always forced to go read Pennsylvania case law. Uh, that's not, I don't even think to call it case law. Pennsylvania sightings, court sightings from actual cases. So uh, as you go in there, uh, there's stunning stuff in there that the, the basic person doesn't understand. You understand that your local that your county and your local municipality, they have no inherent powers of their own. They can't even tax on their own. They can't do anything on their own. They can't even write ordinances on their own. They have no inherent powers to do anything. All their powers must be granted to them by the state legislature. And they must be granted to them in what's called strictly constructed statutes. That's how they communicate with legal entities. That's what statutes are. Okay. Your county and your local town and borough, they are what they call This is actually legal terminology right out of case law. Your county and your local town are creatures of the state. And that's how you'll see them referred to, creatures of the state. And if you're a creature of the state, what that means is you're created under the statutes of the state. Remember that Title 61, 153.1, 155.1 I just rattled off, guys, where it says an entity organized and incorporated under the statutes and doing business or owning property. In other words, first, you've got to be organized and incorporated in the state before they can even get into touching your property. So it's all a corporate entity thing. So that's what a municipality is. Municipality has no powers and her powers of their own. It has to be expressly granted through statute from the, from the legislature that expressly grants them a power to do something. All right. And this is where we're having our problem with the local municipality, because guess what? The statutes are actually written properly that the, that the legislature writes. Okay. People are misreading them and they, they don't have an understanding of, of basic statutory construction. How many times have you read a statute or read something that says an individual partnership, S corporation, it's giving you all these legal entities. And most people will look at that first term individual and say, well, that must be me. I'm an individual. Well, no, 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 no. When you understand statutory construction, there's two terms. And one's called you juice them generis. And I'm going to make these real basic. They sound complicated, but they're not. You juice them generis and the other one, not sick it or whatever. I can't even get it out. But what they are is this. You juice them generis means of like kind. That's exactly what the term means. It means of like kind. The no or the other one I was talking about, it means words are known by the company they keep. Now let's go back and look at the statute when they're defining what a person is or what a taxpayer is. If there are seven entities listed there and the first one's individual and the other six are all knowingly legal entities, doesn't it reason by statutory construction and words are known by the company they keep and, and of like kind that an individual is a legal entity that's also organized and incorporated under the statutes. Isn't there a definition that you could, can't you just look up to see what the intended meaning, legal meaning of the word individual is? Well, if it's not in a statute, okay, you're entitled to use whatever Black's Law Dictionary or Bouvier's, whichever you want. But sometimes they put definitions in there and, and many times they don't. And maybe they leave certain definitions out so that maybe these local municipalities could start playing these games by trying to say, Crow and Jason, you guys are individuals. OK, you fit the list. you know. And if you don't know any better, like most people, because no one teaches you this in school. And, you know, they, they, this is this should be basic governmental uh, you know, instruction in school. They don't teach you this stuff. They want to keep you stupid. They want to keep you dumb. OK, but so that's one way to know that that basically that's statutory construction. So you, there's no way. And there's another reason, you know, that an individual is not you or Jason. Let me ask you this. I just gave you, say, a list of those seven entities. All the, of those six entities after individual, do those six entities have any constitutional rights? The corporations and, and all that? Yeah. Do they have any constitutional rights? No, not in the same way as a living man or a living woman does. Bingo. OK. You, ha you also have substantive rights to exist. You and Jason, you have a right to exist and, and to feed your family and to, to live and to survive. And, you know, you have substantive rights. 
Do any of those six entities have substantive rights to exist? No, but I'm still confused about the individual one, but go ahead. And what's the definition of substantive? You have a, you have an inherent right to, to exist, okay, to, to be able to feed yourself, to be able to feed your family, to be able to have a shelter to protect you and your family. In regards to a corporation, does a corporation have a right to exist? Yeah, they, they have no substantive rights, okay? They have no, no, no natural rights. Remember we said they're creatures of the statute, right? We just said basically that they have no constitutional rights and they have no substantive rights. Those entities exist at the whim and, and leisure, uh, pleasure of the legislature. In other words, the legislature could, could pull their charter of the county tomorrow if they wanted to, okay? They could start that process and pull the county's charter. They could eliminate the county. They could eliminate any of those six entities after that individual we were talking about. They can eliminate any of their charters, whatever. They, they can wipe them off the face of the earth because they are a stack of papers. They're only a stack of papers that has to get their marching orders through statute from the legislature. Okay. You don't get your marching orders from the state legislature. The legislature don't grant you rights. Okay. The legislature doesn't give you the substantive right to exist and to feed your family and to shelter your family. They do not grant you rights. Okay. That, so you are not a legal entity. So if individuals in a list with them, that's an impossibility to say that that's Crow or Jason. It can't be because you don't have any characteristics of those six entities. Like we said, of like kind, if that meant you and Jason, you guys are not of like kind to the other six entities in the list. And words are known by the company they keep. Well, how can we take a, a man with substantive rights to feed his family and put him on a list with a bunch of artificial entities that could be extinguished by the legislature at their whim. They could just pull their charter and, and eliminate them. Think the state legislature can't eliminate you. So obviously, when they're using an individual on that statute, they're not talking about you or Jason. They're talking about a legal entity that's organized and incorporated under the state statutes. Does that make sense? Yeah, well, that last argument you made is sound, right? They can't end you with the stroke of a pen. Right. So- this is what they, they're, a lot of times they're messing people up with, Crow, is when you read the definition of person, you're going to see something that sounds like you, a natural. You also see the term natural person, okay? And people say, well, that must be me. No, 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 no. Here's what a natural person is. A natural person is actually a living entity, a man or woman. That would be like your mayor, your tax collector, a policeman, a judge, okay? They're living entities, that have duties and that they are what you call they are ascribed rights. Okay, if you're a, if you're a judge, you're ascribed certain rights. If you're the town mayor, you're ascribed certain rights. You're delegated these certain rights. Okay, and when you read the definition of a natural person in like Black's Law, you're going to see that exact definition. That it also actually say that attorneys refer to these people as natural persons. These are persons that are ascribed rights. Bro, are you ascribed rights? Well, well, basically, no. But when you described those entities, were you using those words as nouns? What do you mean when I described those entities? So when you were describing like a corporation or all the things that you were listing out, would you say that the usage of those individual words, each was a noun? Was each a person, place, or thing? It doesn't matter. The, the main thing is, what are the characteristics of those things? All those six entities after individual they, do, they have corporate charters. They, they registered with the state. They're doing, they're organized and incorporated under the state statutes. They file paperwork with the state. They are valid legal entities. They are businesses. So I get that. So, so if you're yeah, right, you're yeah, you're right about that. You can't, it, what distinguishes it is not referring to a living man or a living woman is they can't stroke a pen and do away with you. So I agree with that, but it's so freaking confusing because when I went at the term, individual. I mean, it's not that cut and dry, but anyhow, I'm not going to muddy the waters here. Let's keep going forward. And I definitely want to address how the assessment works. Yeah. And, and listen, that's just one part of it. That's called statutory construction. That's how you could sort of target what that statute, who it's targeted at. That's how you decide who it's targeted at. Then you also have elements of the statute. In other words, those entities that they're talking about in the statute, they have certain duties they have to do, you know, there's certain things they have to do, certain elements they must meet for that statute to apply to them. So when we get into that, talk about the assessment, you're going to see how they're doing this also. So now, you know, municipalities have no municipalities, which are your county and your local town. They are legally called creatures of the state. 
and that the legislature controls creatures of the state through statutes because the county and your local town, they're creatures of the state. Therefore, they are creatures of statute, which you could also look up in case uh, uh, sightings and you'll see creatures of statute talked about and what creatures of statute are. These are entities. These are legal entities, the, the municipality and the county that have no inherent rights to do anything beyond what the le state legislature strictly constructs for them in a statute. When I say strictly construct, it means they must spell it out. If it's not spelled out in the statute for them, the municipality can't say, oh, I'm looking at this. I think they're saying I could tax Crow and Jason's house. They better be able to point to it and show a process in there that was strictly constructed to them. So use, use an example like a lot of towns put ordinances out, right? So does that mean at some point the state said to that municipality, you can create ordinances and then therefore they do it? Is that the example? Yeah, they threw it through a statute, though, right? Like here, it's like the local assessment law, they call it. OK, and there's different. Your state might have something different. But in there, it will grant the uh, member said it'll grant their creature of the state, that local town to write ordinances for certain purposes and usually their revenue purposes. OK. And we're going to get into here. Here, Let me read about what, what they say, what an ordinance is, too. Let me pull this up. Uh, you'll love this one, Crow. The point being is the state had to tell them that they're allowed to make ordinances. Bingo. State's got to strictly construct that they write ordinances. So in other words, it doesn't tell them you can write this specific ordinance or that specific ordinance. It just tells them it's in your purview to make ordinances, right? If they're talking about like the local tax enabling act I was just talking about, where they grant them the right to, to write certain ordinances, they're limited by that statute to what ordinances they can write. And they'll give them like five entities. Uh, one is uh, uh, transactions that are happening in, in their uh, okay. uh, uh, real okay, estate transfers. So they'll delegate, listen, you can write ordinances that, that deal with this. That means that local entity, they must be following that statute and must use what the legislature gave them. They can't read into what the legislature gave them. And that's what they're doing. OK, they're do there's a lot of reading in going on. The point being that a legislature which is in government and to create laws is the source just to make the point. Right. Right. In other words, the state has to communicate what powers that the local legislature has. I mean, that the local uh, a town or borough has. Ordinances are not laws. And I have case law. I don't have the, the document with me here, but but I'll, I'll provide it to you. But it, the, the courts basically say, obviously, ordinances are not laws. OK, they're, they're, they're rules and regulations. They're not laws. The only entity that can make laws in your state is your state legislature. Your local town borough idiots and a lot of them are idiots. OK, they can't make laws. Your local town council or your town, you know, your borough council, they're not lawmakers. They can't make laws, but they think they are. They really think that they're like the state legislature and they can make all these crazy ordinances up. There's the point. OK, there's you know, you need a legislative body, not a corporation, not. OK, so let's keep moving forward. Yeah. Let me pull. Let me see if I can find ordinances here. Who is bound by the ordinances? Is that just for people? Is that for corporations? Is that supposed to be for everybody? And is it just the municipality like the state can't come in and say you need to do this? Because if they wanted something, they would just make it a law in the first place. Right. Yeah, but listen, ordinances are written for creatures of statute, okay? Uh, in other words, if you organize and incorporated a business under the state statutes and you're, and I don't know, like here, the township is Aston. So if I have a business that I registered with the Pennsylvania, with the state, and I'm conducting the business in Aston, okay, I'm a, I'm a creature of the state. When I set that business up, that business became a creature of the state. Remember, you set up like you're doing business as. You're, that's a legal entity you're setting up, a fictitious entity doing business as. Fagiola's custom car detailing, whatever. That's a legal entity I set up. If I'm using doing do it in Aston, well, now I'm a creature of statute. In other words, the state tax code can now be used on me. It can be applicable to me. And the legislature can now delegate to the locals, Aston, what taxes they can also charge me, what other you know taxes they could use to, to, to get money to, to run the, uh, you know, to to, to use to run the municipality, you know, to, to pave the streets, to plow the snow. So I have to be a legal entity under the statutes. Does that make sense? Now, Crow and Jason, you have a right to own property, do you not? Yes, we are supposed to have a right to own property. I would agree with that. Can rights be taxed? 
and rights be taxed. I don't know. Is it in the Bill of Rights that we could be taxed? <laughs> no. It's scary to both of you. you actually, no. It's scary to both of you hesitate. No, rights, can, <laughs> rights no. cannot be taxed. I just had to think about the Boston Tea Party. No. <laughs> you can't amend somebody's rights away from them. No, right? so that, you that, can't, that can never you can't tax a right. No. You have a right to own property. As a matter of fact, you not only have a you have an inherent substantive right to own property, okay? You have a natural right to own property. That's actually in your state constitution. It's in every state constitution. You have a right to acquire, possess, and protect property. That's your that's your right protected. The, 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 the constitution doesn't give you that right. It secures that right. And you'll see in Pennsylvania it states that right is inherent and it's indefeasible, which means it can't even be questioned. You have a right to own property. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. So if you have a right to own a ha- home, Crow, how can I put a value on your home and go, I'm going to charge you a tax on that now. I'm going to tax your right to own that property. This is what I want to talk about, because when I first came to Rhode Island, the first year I saw it happen, but I didn't realize what was happening. There was a kid out in my driveway with a clipboard, and I saw the kid on the property next door with the clipboard. And I'm saying kid, like I don't know, maybe 23, 24-ish, something like that. So I thought, oh, it's, you know, one of these normal things where they're going through the neighborhood. Maybe it's like, I didn't know what I thought. A year later, I'm sitting here and a guy dressed very casually comes down the driveway and uh, says, can I come into your home? I said, who are you? And he said, well, I'm the tax assessor. And I said, do you have any identification? So he hands me a business card. So it's like a private corporation. And I said, well, no, you can't come into my home. And actually, I didn't give you permission to come onto my property in the first place. And I got to talking to him and I said, well, what are you doing? And he said, I'm assessing the value of your home. And I said, well, how do you do that if I don't allow you into my home? And he said, well, then we just asked the question, did anything significant change? And we go with the last record we had. And that's when it dawned on me. (laughs) And I said, well, when was the last assessment done? And he said, how many years the assessment's supposed to happen? But what the town had apparently been doing is doing it almost every year because they needed the tax money. So they're assessing people more quickly than they're supposed to. And that's when I found out that the previous person I saw was a freaking student. I'm not even kidding you. They had hired students to come out and assess the properties. So basically what that student wrote or that man who I did not give permission to come survey my house in any way, we're making a number up out of thin air. And then that's, I think that was, I don't know, a year or two before you or I ever met. And I began to realize what right does that man have in the first place to come assess my private home? Anyhow, there's the big spiel. Right. Now, we, we went over that initially. Remember, they, they don't have any ownership in the property. They don't have any interest in the property. And the only way they could assess and touch the property would be if they have a what? A taxable interest in the property. The only way a taxable interest in property could occur would be if you organize and incorporated a business under the state statutes. So unless you incorporated, organized, incorporated a business that you're running out of your home, Crow, they have no right to be assessing your property. And we're going to get into what an actual property assessment. And even if they did have a right, Alphonse, the numbers that the way they were getting the numbers, complete poppycock. I mean, it was literally a student out in the driveways writing down numbers on a clipboard. And then another dude using those numbers from a previous year as the basis for his not actually surveying anything because I wasn't letting him into my house. As a matter of fact, I asked him to get off my property. I'm just saying it's it's all a bridge too far. There's no there's no validation, there's no rhyme or reason, there's no oversight and there is absolutely no accuracy to the numbers in the first place. Now, isn't that falsifying documents? It's what I'm getting at. It's a complete it's so bad that when I went up to do my homeowner's insurance, they were actually using Zillow. Yeah. And this is not the first. That's why I was asking you. I have seen so many including town hall. I have seen town hall and the insurance company now using Zillow as if that was some valid number. I agree with you. And isn't that, isn't that at all? Here's some federal crimes. Isn't that a fictitious obligation they're trying to place upon you? Yeah. That guy with the clipboard, he's breaking numbers down that they're going to tax you on, right? There's no rhyme or reason. Yeah. They can't show you any process how your property crow got on their 
ad valorem commercial tax roll. Even if there was a process or some legitimate method actually being applied to try to get to acceptable, provable values in some way, they don't have a right to do it in the first place. That's just a corporation someone hired. And even worse, the year before it was just students that they hired for 12 bucks an hour, I think it was. Right. They, they don't have, and it's funny you mention that because when you actually read, even for valid assessments, like if they actually have a right to, to go assess Walmart or Taco Bell, even for valid assessments, you can't send a student out there. You got to send, they got to have certain credentials. They got to have certain licenses from the state. They got to do certain training and they can take certain classes. There's actually classes on ad valorem tax uh, evaluations that they have to take. I guarantee that that 19 year old kid in your driveway, he didn't take no classes, bro. <laughs> yeah. The impression that I got talking with the guy was that it was like 23, 24, probably a student that somehow their school was related to what they were doing. That's the impression, but I don't know. You know, you're right. I don't know. It's all. <laughs> you were probably part of his summer, uh, summer job project. <laughs> you know, let's go send him out, go assess houses. <laughs> no training whatsoever. That's kind of what it, the term Avalora means. Well, it's kind of what it felt like. Yeah. And, and the other guy who was a private corporation hired by the town to come out and put a number, you know, there's, there's no validity to any of it. No, no, you're right. There is no validity. Like we said, the legislature doesn't, just doesn't have an inherent right to tax property. There's got to be a written process in law that allows them to touch the property. And we went over that. That's, that. You'll actually find that in your income tax laws of your state. That's that organization and corporation under the state statutes. And once you're organized and incorporated and doing business in the state and owning property. In other words, first, you've got to be organized and incorporated. You got to clear that hurdle first. Once you clear hurdle one of organizing and incorporating, then they get into and doing business and owning property. That's what a property tax is. Here's what property taxes actually are. If you're an entity like we just talked about, that Fagiola's custom detailing, like, or I got a paint shop and I took my garage and I turned it into a, you know, a room for, for painting cars. Well, if I went and registered that with the state, they would charge me what's called an excise tax for the pleasure of doing business in the, in the uh, state. That would be the, the tax on whatever profits I'm making, you know, on my equipment. They would charge me uh, whatever profits I'm making. That, that would be but the excise tax. Since I'm using the property to conduct that business privilege, they then could charge me a property tax. That's exactly what a property tax is. It's me using real estate, which they, they screwed that term up too. Me using real estate, my property, to conduct a, a business privilege provided to me by the state which was done when I organized and incorporated the business under the state statutes. That's exactly what a property tax is. Okay. Now to go into an assessment, what an actual assessment is. If you look in your state, Crow and Jason, look in your state's uh, uh, assessment laws and assessment. And it tells you right here, I'm going to read Pennsylvania's. There's got to be three elements to an assessment. It's got to be the market value of the property. Like Crow, like he said, Zillow, they go on Zillow and whatever the properties are sort of selling for in the area. They can track on Zillow because it'll tell you sell this property sold last sold on this date for this amount of money. So they can get comp sales to get a ballpark of what properties are selling for. They have no legal authority, correct? Like Zillow and, and Realtor.com no, 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 no. and all those places. No, but what they do, one thing they do provide though, wait, the one thing they do provide is they actually have ties to the records that they, they look the records up. Those when that property actually sells, it'll tell you the date it's sold for and the cost it's sold for. They're accurate. Okay. That's pretty accurate. Do they have any legal rights to do what they do under state law? No, not unless you're a registered business. Not unless you're organized and corporate under the state statutes and you're using that property in the conducting of that business. They have no rights to be anywhere near your property. This is the whole point. And we're coming up on, on the top hour one. Really, if I was going to nutshell the whole point is once upon a time, a system was set up to grab revenue from people running corporations or businesses. That's how it was all set up. If you were involved in commerce, you could look at it this way. I'm using where I live or the town that is maintained for me, and I'm using this area so I can make money. Therefore, the place that's allowing me to use this place to make money is taxing me. That's kind of the way I think about it. But at no time were private houses and all these other things. It's like cars. Cars don't require licenses. You don't require a driver's license. That's all intended for commerce. And yet here we are. It's all been normalized. So 
everybody's getting everything. And that's really the crux of what we're talking about. Is there any legal foothold for these people to be taxing all these supposed private homes and everything? But you see, and I'm going to wrap up here, Alphonse. Okay. But this is where the other legal methods that I know you won't consider, and I know you don't think there's any value in them, they actually play a role here because there is all kinds of evidence under God's green earth that shows what happens to a birth certificate when it goes to the state. In fact, a trust, you might say a corporation is created, but I'm going to push all that aside off the table. We'll agree to disagree. (laughs) Fine. That works perfectly because I know people listening, a lot of people are going to say, well, wait a minute. The name written in capital letters is not just a thing. There's a reason for it. They're going to be thinking this. So do you want to give out contact or are you just going to show up in comments? Do you want to take direct contact or would you be overwhelmed? Get on Telegram. That's the best, easiest way for me to communicate with people is through Telegram. And the nice thing with Telegram is it's all, you got a public chat feature there and you got a private message feature there. So people can communicate with you privately or they can communicate with you in public. So that's the easiest form. How do they just find go that? on Telegram, Alphonse Fagiola, Telegram. Be careful. There's, from what I'm told, there's, I think there's like, hundreds of, uh, of dummy accounts out there with my name on it. People are trying to use my name to sell crypto and everything, other, all this other crap. So make sure it's the, the one with about 10, over 10,000 people in it. You, if you see that group, you're in the right group. That's the right Alphonse Fagiola. So that's the easiest way. Get on Telegram and join the Alphonse Fagiola Telegram group. And it's not just my group. There's a lot of great contributors in there. Brett Fountain's in there and a lot of other good people in there. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's the best place. Okay, so there's hour one of episode 510. Basically, the crux of what we're talking about here is, is everybody taxable in the way that everybody's getting taxed? Can your private home be taxed? Can, can everything basically be taxable in the way we're seeing that it is? Alphonse is saying he doesn't accept it, and he's got a lawsuit going. When we come back in hour two, we're going to get further into these things. But you can see flat out how the assessment that I witnessed done on my house this is a bag of worms, man. This is complete nonsense. There's no authority or foundation or reality, even if there was permission for everything that's going on. And I said, I'm fine with it. There's no reality to the numbers that are being produced. The point is, is this should be questioned. And Alphonse is questioning it. Now, for all the people out there who have paid attention to the trail of the birth certificate, I'm setting all that aside. I agree with you. Those capital letters, it was done intentionally. It's not just a thing. It's not just so we can read it more easily, but we're setting all that aside. And you will find that we have covered basically three legal ways. One of them seeks to reclassify who you are in the scope of whatever you might think a citizen is. One of the other ones is what Alphonse is doing here. I'm not changing anything about the way I live. I'm going into the legal system and I'm comprehending what's supposed to be, and I'm going to defend my rights. The third one is kind of a mishmash where I accept that God granted me certain rights and I don't have to do jack for anybody. I don't have to reclassify. I don't have to go to court. I don't have to do anything because I know who I am and I know what God granted me. That's just the best overview I can give. So when we come back, we're going to get back into the legal process that Alphonse has tasked his local municipality with vis-a-vis their ability to put a property on the tax rolls that is not engaged in commerce. So there it is. We're going to prep up for hour two of episode 510. Hour one is free to everybody at pro777radio.com. That is C-R-R-O-W-777radio.com. Members know to log in. They also get free access to shoot the moon And with that, we're going to prep up. I hope to see you on the other side. Uh, These are interesting. These are important legal episodes that we do, but you've got to have a clear division in your mind. And I guarantee you, Jason and I have yet to find a legal method where the people who have learned how to make this work agree with people working another system. We have never found that bridge yet. There it is. I'll see you on the other side for hour two of 510. And I'd like to wish you all a happy, healthy and higher-minded new era. Cheers.
is the enemy of knowing.